The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. The one of the shows I do that has stuff that happens in space. Sometimes not because we did Quantum Leap. Um, it's so spacey, tiny, wacky. That voice you just heard is my companion, Russell McGee. Yes. I'm Brandon. Hello. Because you clicked on the Brandon Peters show. One of us is him. Uh, this series of Old Space Show. This is our fourth episode in a row in a production block. So <laughs> this is going to be some fun right here. Uh, this series of Old Space Show follows the symbiotastic adventures of Galen and his two astronaut pals as they wade their way through the futuristic Earth in the short-lived television version of Planet of the Apes. Today, we discuss the 12th episode the Cure. Which, was that the sixth that they actually filmed, if I read correctly? Even though it was the twelfth that aired? And sorry, I'm... I'm I don't know. I thought I read that this was actually filmed as number six. Anyway. Ah, Spider-Man so Spider is yeah. having me for dinner tonight. All right. All right. With the help of an ape doctor, Alan and Peter race to concoct a cure for malaria outbreak. They must succeed before Urko implements his own version of the cure, burning down the village with everyone in it. And welcome to all you Just Like Heaven uh, Friday I'm in Love fans wondering what the hell is this? This is Planet of the Apes, The Cure, not the band, but hey, enjoy. This one, this episode is directed by Bernard McAvity. McAvity, he directed The Legacy, uh, written by Edward J. Lasko, who wrote <clears throat> The Trap. There's a dream team here. We got a dream team here. Uh, starring Roddy McDowell, Ron Harper, James Naughton, Mark Leonard, Booth Coleman, Sandra Locke. Uh, David Shiner, Ron Sobel, George D. Wallace, Sandra Locke. Uh, this is uh, Clint Eastwood's old flame that he did have some children with. This is early in her career, two years before they outlawed Josie Wales. Um, she had done some guesting already on Kung Fu, the FBI, and Night Gallery, as well as starred in the film Willard. Um, but she is, uh, yeah, Sandra Locke was, she's kind of one of those like, You've seen if, her and you know you've seen her. Well, if you've lived in the moment, she was a big star, but like it's time past, not as big a star, you know, mm-hmm. like if you were in the 80s, Steve Gutenberg was unstoppable. But if you lived right. in 1990 and beyond who, you know, like, yeah, so her big moment and not like people tend to, I, you know, she's in big films. So like she I mean, she's 
She's in a Dirty Harry movie. She is in Outlaw. She's in Every Which Way But Loose, but no one goes back to that one anymore. But like a lot of people only visit franchise, revisit franchise pictures, it seems, in the younger right. crowd that aren't like super studious film nuts. Those come in every generation. So I'm not saying young people don't do that. Uh, but a lot of the general public goes back to franchise pictures. Dirty Harry is not a franchise that I don't think... I'm a big Dirty Harry fan, but everybody I, I, knows that film. Yeah, yeah, but uh, she was a sudden impact was the one with the go ahead make my day. That was her, her Dirty Harry one, uh, where it's kind of like a Death Wish movie for her character too. Uh, that's in there, uh, but she was a known presence, uh, and being with Eastwood was a, a notable thing. That was his, that was his gal. Uh, but yeah, so this is a this is her before she probably launches into some stardom. But uh, a big one going back. So, like, if you were like in 1990 going back, this would be like, holy crap, Sandra Locke was in Play of the Apes. But now you're like, just regular old guess. I don't know who that is. You know, pretty little blonde lady with big eyes. You know, that's sadly, um, she recently passed away too. Um, but a cool person. I was excited to see her name on the credits. Um, Shiner, another guest star, uh, he's a cowboy actor, Rawhide, Virginia, and Bonanza, all those. He was in the movie True Grit, uh, the one with uh, John Wayne, starring Mikhail's Navy's Mission Impossible, um, Days of Our Lives. Uh, and his final role was as a judge in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> we have sci fi royalty in this episode with Wallace. He is Commando Cody himself, uh, radar man from the moon. Uh, Big a thing I learned about because I, I just got cereals, yeah. Because yeah. of my love for both Batman and Star Wars, I learned about Commando Cody because George Lucas was really big in Commando Cody. Yeah. I, I, when I got into Batman back in like the late 80s and stuff, and I was in the comics, the Batman black and white movie serials came on VHS. I discovered movie serials. I was picking those up on VHS. Commando Cody was a, a, a movie serial. Um, I believe they remade it into a more TV show like thing or I think so. There. I think you're right there. Um, and, but yeah, I, I was, scoop, I was eating up these 1930s, forties movie serials, like crazy um, back then. And those Batman ones are interesting, dude, because they had to like pull them back a little bit because of the content, especially what the second one, Batman and Robin. Because the first was, one, well, okay. the first one's a World War II era one, and uh, the the bad guy is just Japanese. Um, yeah. He's not a Japanese actor. I think they believe it would have picked a Latino actor uh, to play him, and they tied. Uh, yeah, Daka. Yeah, yeah, but I, I. I enjoyed them back when I was younger as a out of touch or dated thing that was kind of humorous um, because it's like, I can laugh at like, Oh my God, we were stupid bad. Like, yes, there, there, there is some blatant racism against Japanese, but I see it as silly because we were dumb and yeah. it looks dumb now. Yeah. And I, I don't get offended because all those people are dead that made this and stuff. And it's a relic of, Look how dumb we were, and I can, yeah, that's me. Maybe not you. Yeah. The second one, the, the villains, the wizard. They never picked out of any rogues gallery. This made up this guy named the wizard. He's got a a cape and a, like a just a black mask with eye holes on, and he looks just like almost like the scorpion, who are 
I believe this is Scorpion, the villain in the Captain America movie serial. Like, yeah, similar idea costume wise. Um, but yeah, I used to like the Captain America one's funny because like he's going out and shooting people like a mobster. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, those movie serials. Uh, Dick Tracy had a bunch of cool ones. I liked his. Uh, yeah, Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. But this yeah. guy was Commando Cody, the OG, the big like that was one of the first serials. That's one of like the ones sci-fi people like visionaries went to that and got their imagination flash gordon too uh yeah. with that uh flash yeah. gordon one's really cool um crap. yeah i yeah i could go on about so we could we could do all sorts of things about cereals russell because i know could, it's probably in your could. wheelhouse too yeah um, no yeah and actually i don't even think i told i've told you this i actually because this guy saved them literally saved them from uh usc and they were going to get rid of them um he's archived all the original sound effects from like the 30s and 40s and they're mm-hmm. now online for free but like they literally there's no other master copies of these they were like just gonna be gone dude and uh-huh. like, this guy like digitized them uh, i'm trying to think uh again star wars connection is uh burt what's his last name the, ben burt yeah, the audio engineer. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like he like helped as far as preserving these at USC. Okay. And so they like from the original uh, master uh, film off of those and then transferred them onto tape. Oh, nice. And then so this guy then was digitizing all of them. But like it's probably got Ben Burt actually at the top of the leaders actually doing the countdown as it's going in because uh, when he did. the. Oh, digital. nice. Yeah. Yeah. But like it's got all like the Flash Gordon sound effects and everything else in the sound library. It's amazing. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's. I mean, if you're a film nerd, that I mean, the genesis of television is in the serials. Um, yeah. Pretty much because that was t- like you, you went to a movie for an afternoon. You got a newsreel. You got serials. You got cartoons. You got advert. Like it was an experience. Um, yeah, like, because that's even like Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes. That's how we even had those as far yeah. as like even art, like growing up as far as having those. They they were first on, like you just said, mm-hmm. on uh, in between with the film as far as for the day that you would go in and see all of those shorts. Yeah, like that's like my, my grandma, who is probably was like definitely a one of the most giant influences on my life with movies and everything like that. She took me the cool movies, we saw but she would talk about her and her friends they would just they would save up their money and then like saturday it, they'd show up yeah. when the theater opened and they'd be there all day all that like and they would run she'd probably see like two two movies and like a bunch of shows serials new like all sorts of stuff because and she loved she loved going to the movies she she planted she transplanted that passion onto me growing up in like See, the serials were part of that. I don't think she remembered any like serials or anything. She remembered the like the movies and stuff, right. but but that was that was how you went and saw the movies back then. Um, they've never really recreated. I mean, you got movie or newbie or whatever that comes up before the movies, but they've never. We just get longer movies. We don't get just to hang in the theater longer. We don't get some sort of experience. But I think theaters are probably in a transitional phase now where we're gonna going to a movie is going to change at some point when they can figure out it's not uh, the presentation to keep us going to the theater because they need the theater they are learning through this streaming thing which is too late to go back on almost now they need to figure out the theatrical delivery again because that's where their money's at um yeah 
should have asked Netflix for real numbers, but uh, and you realize when you know, only so many people can subscribe. Once you get to a subscribe level, yeah, there's a cap on that. So, yeah, but that's whole. Other, this is Play of the Apes, <laughs> the show that got canceled for actual ratings oh. in 1974. So, I mean, yeah. It all leads back to that. So this one, uh, there's like malaria taking on a village. Uh, we start in the middle of things with like a bunch of flashbacks. So stuff has already happened and we go back and tell things. So it's. It's again uh, that that inciting incident yeah. happening before the show actually yeah. starts. A narrative choice to make it more interesting than just yeah. traditionally telling it. Um, and we do get some. Like. We get like Alan, we get some further movement on him of like starting a relationship with somebody, but not being able to let go of his past or whatever. Not, still not a realization that like, guess what, dude, that life is gone. Like, I don't think it's coming back, man. That becomes a crux in this episode, mm-hmm. though, dude, because like he ends up deciding to actually reveal who he actually yeah. is to this woman because she loves him. And that ends up like actually putting a wedge between him and Galen and Galen's even questioning why is he going along with the humans as far as them when they keep on making these decisions that's putting his own life in jeopardy when he's put himself out for them time and time again. So Mm -hmm. that's an interesting development with the character and seeing that he's then making them actually deal with the fact that they have to realize he's putting himself out there for him as well. Yeah. And them it, as well. Yeah. And it's interesting with Alan too, with that, because it's like, is he really getting into this or is he just liking the prospect of like finding someone he kind of likes again and having that relationship and then over going overboard with giving the information to finally just let it out on somebody. And then it comes out when she, she catches malaria or something and like, right. And is in a, in a fever feverish state. state and just starts shouting it out and it's like what yeah and the ape doctor that is like the big presence in here overhears her so mm-hmm. that again puts our main core in jeopardy where they could be found out by orco and zayas and yeah i'm getting ahead of myself sorry because i know no no go ahead go ahead I was gonna say that becomes a huge turning point at the end because like he like at the end, the doctor like is like, hey, I know you guys have done a really great thing in helping both humans and apes here, and you've shown us a better way, but ethically, I still am in a bad position because you're fugitives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got to do something. I got to yeah. do something. Like, yeah. this It's like a Brandon, a side note for folks. I had a moment in my life sort of like this with the, when I was, uh, I was 17 years old. Uh, my friend, he, uh, he got this new car. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was a, it was a Chevy Cavalier brand new. It was like a first big purchase of his or something. I remember the Cavalier. If it's green. Uh, and he told everybody, he's like, no, nobody's driving this car, but me, all this stuff, nobody. Nobody's driving the car with me. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Him and I went out on a Friday or Saturday night. Uh, met two two girls we were hanging out with at the time. We went to bowling because when you're a teenager and you can't go to bars or anything, there's the bowling alley that'll be open till one or two in the morning. 
and you can smoke cigarettes in there and do all sorts of dumb shit while you're at the bowling alley. Well, it was cosmic bowling too. Well, we go to leave. It's past one in the morning for sure. And we were leaving. We're going the same way as the girls or whatever. And we had a little like speeding around, like messing around uh, on the road. Cruising. Yeah. Cruising. Cruising Cruising a little bit. And Oh no! Oh cop, no! Cop pulled us over. So he, he he asked my friend for his. He asked us both for our license. He doesn't just ask him. He asked both of us. They're messing with you. No. Uh, no. Seriously. So he comes back to the car and he's like, "I need to ask both of you to exit the vehicle and come to the back of the car." And I'm like, and we're like, what "Oh, the- what?" Exactly. We're like, what's going on? So he says, I, he's like, here's the thing. I'm in a real dilemma right now. And we're like, okay. He's like, so he, uh, he's like, he's 17. We have a legal curfew. I'm required to take him in to the juvenile center until his parents come and pick him up. Oh. And I'm like, oh, no. He goes, you were speeding, but I ran your license. Your license is suspended. What? He's like, I cannot let you leave this scene. I cannot let you, I cannot let you, where were you guys going? And he goes, I was dropping him off at home. That's where we were going to his parents' house, dropping him off at home. He's like, okay. He's like, he's like, I, he's like, I can't call a tow truck. I I can't, this is before cell phones. Yeah. We had cell phones and stuff. So he goes, I'm supposed to take him in, but I cannot let you leave in this car. I can't let you drive off. Right. And so he goes, Let's make a deal. Or or he's like, he's like, how's this? His license isn't suspended. You need to prove to me where you're going. This address on, is this address on your, where you're going on your license? I'm like, yes. He's like, he's going to drive your car. You're going to go to, you're going to go to his house. And stay there. He goes, I need to see the garage door open. I need to see you enter the house. You need to, and you're going to tell your parents that he's spending the night. And then you're going to, you're going to drive down to this and figure this out tomorrow. And we're like, okay. And we did. And he held up to that. And then my friend waited for a half hour and then drove home. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, he was a cop in the middle of that drama. And yeah. Um, I got to drive that car that Noah was going to drive. That was like a week old. <laughs> that was like a week old. Um, but yeah, it, and to follow up, his license wasn't suspended. He had had to take defensive driving and they never filed it. Oh, oh, oh. But no speeding ticket, no juvenile curfew breaking. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so that was that was an officer in the middle of a dilemma. Like this episode of Play of the Apes. So there's your brand in the side. For listeners, if you like my personal stories, Russell got to hear one about my eyebrows earlier tonight, but that's for another day. 
Yeah, yeah, a little singe there. Yep. Jeez. So, anyways, back to the apes, back to malaria, back yeah. to the thing. Um, I do think it's interesting to watch the different kind of apes, the gorillas, the orangutans, uh, as they battle an epidemic, and the, how the different sides want to handle everything. It's really timeless and interesting. There's like the burn the whole village down, just huh? And timely and, right now. Timely as we record this. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's like, burn it all down, just kill the source over, you know, lives are lost, but it's all gone. Um, just different. It's interesting. Of course, that's the gorilla approach, obviously. But yeah, it's really interesting to watch these po- political parts, uh, these social things happen and them handling it pretty well. Yeah. And the other thing is, and we've not mentioned this before, but like, especially within the last, I would say five or six episodes, Zayas has become a bigger thing as yeah. a regular in the series now. And I think that formula with having Zayas, a gorilla and the chimpanzees is an effective one that is held over even from the films. And mm-hmm. I think they finally figured that out that they needed that formula to make things work. And right. um you were talking about the politics here. It's interesting because you see things evolve as the pandemic or epidemic gets worse because at first it's only like isolated to humans being infected by it. Mm -hmm. And then for the first time we have an ape get infected and then all the stakes go way up. Right. That's when Orko's like, no, we got to burn the village down. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really like and this is stuff like the only thing aging in these films, like the effects are what they are. It's 1974. You got like, but I think the, I think of these episodes, the dramas and stuff are so good that you're gonna forget seeing them. I really think it transcends whatever's on the screen. Like you talked about the effects. That's one thing I read about with this in particular, and I wanted to make a note of it anyway to talk to you about is that they talked about how long the makeup process was in with this particular episode. Uh And they said, Roddy McDowell was interviewed about it and that on average, it was a three hour process of him being put into the makeup for the day. And that overall, he was looking at a 12-hour day. And at the beginning, what they would do is actually put everything on except for the bottom uh, half of his mouth. Uh And then he would have solid food at that point. And then they would put the rest of the prosthetic on. And then he would not have any solid food for 12 hours as they were filming. And he'd have to deal with that all day. And then at the end of the day, be able to, you know. Did they have good smoothies back then? Because I could rock that. I don't know. I could rock good smoothies all day. The other thing that they said is, and I I couldn't determine from like the interview if it was for the show proper, but like several of the key makeup artists actually died in a plane accident. Oh wow. And so like early like a lot of the effects people that had been on in the early episodes were just all of a sudden just not there. So that was something they also wow. had to deal with as far as like with the production as it, as it was going on. Oh, wow. That's tragic. And oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So little little back deep dive in that I read about that was like, oh, wow, there's there's a lot more going on with this series that mm-hmm. we knew about. Yeah. Holy crap. 
Yeah. That's oh, that's that's some crazy, <laughs> some crazy stuff. Um, you, you touched upon earlier, and I think is a interesting. There's kind of like a, a a heat check on the friendship between the Galen and the two astronauts here, where right. he begins to come into question with them and starts siding with his eight pals a little bit, a little bit in this one to kind of rethink where he's come with it and has it been worth it and why are they doing these things now, especially when he's like. You know, I'm doing my best to cover us to sell things, and you guys are going to just telling people stuff like, I know Sandra Locke is pretty, but geez, dude. <laughs> geez. Like, I mean, we start in the midst of it. Um, so, yeah. We also, yeah. yeah. He, he, and this isn't the first time that he's mentioned something about being overruled by them, but this is the mm-hmm. first time he actually speaks out and says something right. about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, they need him almost more than, you know, he's, he's there for, to learn to whatever, but that they, he's an important, he's proven to be an important asset for them, like across the way and not just enforced ways through script needing it. It's actually working in a more fluid fashion, um, showing how valuable he is to their journey. Um, but yeah, i Flip side is they, the astronauts, prove their worth, not only just to Galen, uh, but to the doctor because of the knowledge that they have that the apes in general just don't. And like them being able to deduce a way to deal with the malaria as far mm-hmm. as even uh, draining the stagnant pond and then finding the tree bark that would actually be able to be used to create the cure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. And there's a lot of like, um, like sack mask wearing in this yeah. again, too. Yeah. That, uh, I, I wonder, yeah, kind of interesting, maybe saving for masks or whatever, you know, like spreading or whatever. I don't know. Um, oh, right, with the but, pandemic now, yeah, yeah, and yeah, even and they even they wore gloves like full yeah. yards to be completely covered with the malaria. Right. Yeah. It, it's something it, it's smart aspects of, of little details that make it that much bigger and better of a story that could be in other shows forgotten about or just they just went on that journey with, you know, just showcasing the actual stuff in a way that I don't know if a 1974 audience is going to look at it like we have now. Right. <laughs> it, it, we're right. like, yeah, they really got it right. They got they got some things down right here. That, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just yeah. Very interesting. Uh, stuff. I, I will say there was like a slightly like odd thing that kind of was off to me is Sandra Locke's like final moments uh, in the in the episode where she's saying bye to him, and I think it, I think it's like meant to be a endearing moment of sorts, but it is fi- the lighting and filming on it is like creepy, like it's almost like ooh stalkery vibe the way they film her. It's saying that it? soft focus yeah. thing that they did with Anjanus. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, mm, like, it feels like she's like a crazy person when I think it's meant to just be like, you know, shame it couldn't work out. She really did care about him, but it comes off. She looks like kind of crazy saying it <laughs> rather, you know, um, and I have to wonder too. And, uh, you know, being like, you know, that dickish casting director of mine, I'm like, did they pick Sandra a lot? Cause she kind of is like pale and like, looks like she could they could easily make her look sickly because she's thin and kind of very pale skinned and i'm like i wonder if that was like <laughs> went through their mind with casting her like we need this girl to really look like she has malaria later with the least amount of effort so i don't know 
just a weird thing that went through my mind. It was like, was that why she was picked? Your, your comment as far as that moment there, it also made me remember that like her dialogue there is also just a little wonky in that instead of really saying goodbye, she's like talking about, oh, I'll eventually like have a family. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's not really a goodbye. It's it, you're right. It's a little off putting. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, well, I'll find another person. They'll right. take me. They'll accept me. How will you feel then, huh? Yeah, I don't know. It was, it just it took me the wrong. I was like, hmm, I think someone made a mistake here. Um, not Sandra Locke. I think it was just the way they they the writing and then the way they filmed it looked just did not combo well. Um, but no, I, I another strong God, these yeah, another strong yeah. one. Yeah. The other the other thing that was another strong turning point is um you had Burden sneak off in the middle of the night to actually offer the medicine to one of the sick apes. Oh, yep, yep. And that was a huge crux as far as at, at the end with the climax, because if that ape hadn't gotten well, Urko would have been empowered to actually just burn the village. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah, all sorts, all sorts of great stuff. They're not forgetting characters. No one's getting short, short, st- uh, the short staff or anything it's just it's working there's a lot of like the closed room meetings talked I'm, I'm loving those in every episode where they sit and debate and things yeah. like that like real nerdy stuff here that i'm i'm digging um with this show quite a bit um but yeah it's it's going places it's finding footing and then yeah it's gonna be done really soon so unfortunately yeah i'm glad we got here though because like in the start i was like maybe this wasn't that great show Maybe no. I understand. Maybe I understand. And then it it took what like it felt like it was fifth or sixth. It was fifth or sixth. Yep. Yeah, started moving. Yeah, it was fifth or sixth. I mean, there was a couple that were like, I guess I was probably in comparison to what came before, or just like it was like, well, I guess this is the best of what we have now. And that episode isn't even up to snuff with what they where they've gotten to at this point like really strong stuff and and you know i always in old school tv mode i used to i used to always be like well you need to give the show like five episodes if it's not there by then i think this one just misses that um before it gets good like you know um but yeah it's really hitting great um i don't know whether they would have sustained it but they, they at least have a sweet spot here that makes it worthy of return analysis going back to um, upgrading to Blu-ray. Yes. Upgrading yes. to Blu-ray. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Um, but it's time to take our stinking paws off this damn dirty episode. Russell, thank you. 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 Thank, thank you. Well. No, thank you. Uh, and no, until- thank you. Till next time, uh, where can people keep up with you? And then where can the nerds keep up with you? Yeah, Indiana Public Media is the day job where I work as the on-air promotions producer for WTIU and WFIU. And all the sci-fi geekery that we're all here for, mm-hmm. I'm involved with Big Finish Productions on their Gallifrey series. So Doctor Who Nerds, that's um, all in there. And uh, we have a new set coming out. Gallifrey War Room. So check that out. All right. Excellent. Uh, hashtag sudden ape pact. Go ahead. Ape my day. 
Is that better? <laughs> nice, nice. You pick. All right. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at BradportQHD, RedWorkerWhysoBlue.com. There's more from the Brad Peters show this very week. But from Old Space. It's a madhouse! A damn madhouse! Mad, mad, madhouse! Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>